One. This is Remzo Republic. The clash of punk rock and politics. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the one, the only Remzo Republic podcast. I'm your host, as always, Remzo W. Martinez. By the way, before we keep going, I need more Twitter followers. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Remso101. Apart from that, welcome to the show, old and new listeners alike. I know I've been saying this for the past couple episodes, but season two, oh my gosh, you guys are making this such a phenomenal experience. We we recently passed our one-year anniversary, and I, you know, looking from where we started, where this was just an idea to what this is now... It's because of you guys sharing the show, downloading it, uh, joining us in the private fan group, donating, helping us with our projects, and whenever I break studio equipment or need gas in the car or need to prevent producer Ryan from starting a union of one, you, you guys have made have made this so phenomenal. I mean, like last, well, you know, by the time I'm recording this, it it won't be last week, but you know, a couple of days ago, like more about a week ago, we. You know, our really expensive microphone, like, died on us right before recording. And we were just, like, Ryan's trying to fix it. I'm trying to, like, I don't know, conduct a satanic ritual. I mean, that thing was just not coming back to life. And that was a really expensive microphone. And we don't have many nice things. So I shed a tear for Mikey the microphone. And quickly we buried that thing. And I had to go buy a replacement one. But I went ahead and just posted... Uh, something on the Facebook page and the fan group saying, hey, you know, this broke and we have a backup, but it's not as good and we won't be able to do as much. And the show is all about quality because if you're not quality, content doesn't matter. Tell that to the people at Outset. But, you know, I, I was just asking, and I know I've asked you guys so much for everything. I mean, CPAC alone, you guys helped out so much. But within a couple of hours, you know, several of you donated and it was able to cover the new microphone. And it was... Some of you gave a lot, and I am so incredibly blessed. Um, one of you was my Aunt Mary Jo. Aunt Mary Jo, thank you so much. I love you. Thank you so much. But, uh, but you know, others of you pitched in, and that's just – it shows that, you know, you, you create the world you want to be in, and you have to invest sometimes more than just time. You have to invest some money in the things that you love, and I'm glad that I've made this a program that a lot of you come back to every week. So from the bottom of my heart and producer Ryan's heart, thank you once again. But speaking of the world you want to see, this is a pretty interesting time to stay alive, to say the least. I brought on a special guest tonight because his episode was had some of the most rave ratings from season one because I think what we discussed was something which is really kind of you know, a decision point for many of us in the 2016 election. And, uh, you know, looking back at that conversation, I listened to it the other day to kind of see how I wanted to start things off tonight. But, you know, things have, situations change, environments change, but hopefully ideas and principles don't. And I kind of want to touch on that while providing a vision for where we see things such as the conservative movement going forward. Ladies and gentlemen, a lot of you love him. If you're on the left and you support Planned Parenthood, you probably hate him, but whatever. Ladies and gentlemen, Joel Curtin, I, this is Joel. Welcome back to the program, man. I'm so excited to have you back on. Hey, it's great to be back, Remso. Thanks for having me. So 
way yonder back, you and I vowed one thing. We were not going to vote for Donald Trump. Another thing that we brought up was that in terms of our faith with the Republican Party, that was almost gone. Flash forward to now, things have kind of changed. I went ahead and switched my party affiliation from Libertarian to Republican because things I never thought were could happen are happening. We're seeing Trump actually make some decisions that I really kind of like. And in terms of, you know, the prediction that all the Republicans would just kowtow to every decision from the establishment, we are still seeing conservatives and liberty-minded officials resist and do the right thing. And I, I've got to say, even though you know there was a lot of infighting in the Libertarian Party, I'm seeing that a little bit in the GOP now, but I never thought we'd have another opportunity. But now I'm seeing it, and now this is where I feel that God has guided me to be part of, whether it's short-term or long-term. What matters only to some right now is the fact that, hey, I'm a Republican. And in, in terms of what you've done, I mean, you've been extremely busy because you started off something which I didn't think you would actually do. You helped start the new Federalist Party. So, Joel, where are you at, man? Oh, goodness. Where are any of us right now? This, uh, this last cycle is, has taken a turn for the bizarre. Um yeah, I, I'm definitely with you. Last time we talked, uh, there were there were a lot of questions. Um, I I didn't think there was any chance that Trump was going to pull it off. Um, there there was just a lot of things up in the air. Uh, I think I think though, honestly, based on you know what you just said, or I guess in response to what you just said, I think a lot of things are still up in the air, right? I mean, we've got we've got Trump and uh, Ryan out there trying to pass Obamacare light uh, through Congress, and and you know it, it's not it's not that. Uh, I'm not supportive of some of the things that he's done at the federal level. I am. I, I'm, uh, you know, appreciative of some of his appointments. I love some of the uh, deregulation that I've seen going on. I think it's fantastic. Um, but but we're only a few months into the administration, and there's still a lot of reason for concern. Um, mostly because out of all the promises that he made during the campaign, Trump has also made some very uh, some very troublesome ones, including health care for everyone and, uh, you know, raising the minimum wage and, um, you know, uh, maternity, mandatory maternity leave and just a lot of a lot of things that are very anti-liberty poses. So um, we'll, we'll kind of have to see how these things go along. We have to see how uh, this current fight shapes up and we got to see if Republicans actually have the spine, whether in the Senate or elsewhere, to say no uh, when when he tries to go overboard. And yeah. uh and so I, so where I'm at is, I'm still a registered Republican at this point. Um, I've never, I haven't changed that so far. The Libertarian Party almost had me at one point last cycle. Oh man, they screwed when, the pooch <laughs> so hard, so hard. They, it's like they were given a gift and then they dropped it and then said, "Oh no, we dropped it. Oh no, we're stepping on it. Oh, oh no, wait, what, what's happening right now? I, I have to use the bathroom, but I can't move. Oh, oh no, oh no, oh, I just took a giant crap all over your nice gift. I'm so sorry. Oh, and now it's on fire. I'm pretty sure that you just reenacted that scene from Tommy Boy where he takes the piece of bread and like crunches it all in his hands. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what I just heard going basically, on on the other end of this. You, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? It's my, it's my precious and I love it and then I, I kill it. It was just like that. So <laughs> I probably just butchered it now for anybody that actually has seen, you know, seen it more. But um, 
but anyway, so yeah, they they had a chance. They totally blew it. And by the way, they're currently still blowing it worse. You know, the the people who were the most tempted by the Libertarian Party last time were the Republican hardliners, right? People who wanted to be Republican on the side, so- you know, on one side, but felt like the Republican Party wasn't actually moving policy goals forward. Well, now, you know, and a lot of those people are, you know, stridently pro-life, and that's their one, um, their one sticking point with the Libertarian Party is they're not willing to compromise on the right to life. Well, now the, the Libertarian Party on the national level has come out and, and basically told all of them to take a hike uh, with their with their new motto or their new slogan or whatever, pro-choice on everything. So, I mean, it, it's they're, – they're really uh, – they're determined to stay a 3 percent party. Let's just put it that way. Um, and so I – what I looked at is, you know, when I was look, coming to terms with what was going to happen this election um, – it was less about it, – it started out very much about Donald Trump. But by the end of it, it wasn't very much about Donald Trump anymore, um, mostly because I took the time to meet with some of my state legislators and talk to them about you know what, what's going on there. We've got uh, – here in Iowa, we, we've been a purple state for years and years. We've finally swung full red now. We've got control of both houses of the legislature and the governorship. And uh, so, so you know, I wanted to see what was going to happen with with those majorities, and we're seeing that play out right now. Some good things, some not so good things. Uh, one very embarrassing thing: uh, we had a chance to pass life at conception here. A few Republicans lost their spine, bailed on it. The bill died in committee. That's ridiculous. Um, it it's worse than you know, but uh, I'll get I'll get to that in a little bit. When I was meeting with these guys, though, the one of the themes that came up was the fact that. Because it's a binary choice, because there's only two viable parties, because everyone is either Team R or Team D, um, there is no leverage for somebody that wants to vote their principles. If you vote your principles and the principles don't happen to be in accordance with leadership, you lose your seat. That's just how it goes because they want you to vote a certain way, and they control the funds that get you reelected. And unless you're an independent star within the party, which few people at the state level actually are – um, you you toe the line or you lose your funding and you lose your seat. And so what what it's become and, and part of what my concern became is, you know, whether Trump is a good president or a bad president, at some point we've got to break out of this this framework of two parties or the people who are in the middle, the people who are the mediocre, wishy-washy, rhino, whatever you want to call them, they're going to call the shots even for our very best because we can't keep them alive in a context of a two-party system forever. And and so that's where I started looking at it and going, there, there has to be a way to give those people some cover. There has to be a way to provide leverage for them. There has to be a way to say, no, we want you to go and stand against this, and we will have your back if you do. Um, and I, I don't see a way, and I, I didn't see a way when I was talking to these legislators, I don't see a way that that can be accomplished from within the GOP. Uh, because the GOP is, as you know, it's, it's, there's an entrenched hierarchy there. They run their own majority funds. They run their own mailers. They run – I mean there's there's entrenched leadership that is not going to be changed overnight. And so while I believe that there's definitely value in people staying in the party and fighting it out, and hey, if all of this falls to pieces, I might be back there doing it myself. I mean I just want to do whatever advances liberty. But I also believe there has to be a group of people, particularly given the trends that we've seen with third parties. As horrible as the LP was, they still had a record-breaking year. Um, so I think if you follow that trend, there also have to be people who look at this from a long-term perspective and say, how sustainable is this red and blue duopoly? Can we break out of it? 
Definitely. Joel, we're going to keep this conversation going, but first we're going to go ahead and hit our first commercial break. Folks, you're listening to the Remsa Republic. Hang on tight and we'll be right back in a moment. The voice of the Liberty Generation, Remzo W. Martinez. Take the show on the go by subscribing to the Remzo Republic on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and YouTube. Don't be left out. Hey guys, Tim Preuss here, and I wanted to take a minute and invite you to stop over to PreussPodcast.com and give our show a listen. We've got in-depth commentary on the issues that matter to you. These hookers. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking whores are out there. These hookers, man, I tell you. Yeah, that's like the most contact I've had with the hooker. It's them yelling at you. yelling at me on Twitter. (laughs) We break down the most pressing issues of our time. This large lady with, like, tight clothing on. Not appropriately linked tight clothing either. And we get the most intelligent analysis from friends of ours like Jeffrey Tucker. Uh, you pulled over engine trouble and, and what happened, what happened? Uh, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's, uh, oh, I, oh, God. Seriously, though, we love putting on a show that both entertains and educates. We're growing and we'd be thrilled if you joined us. Check out PreussPodcast.com for more. That's P-R-E-U-S-S podcast.com. Make sure to visit libertarianwingmedia.com, where you can find articles written by libertarians all over the world on all of today's issues. Check out our podcast network with monthly and weekly podcasts. Check out our libertarian t-shirt store with t-shirts like Make Markets Free Again and Make Markets Not War. And you too can become an author at Libertarian Wing Media and write what you want, when you want. Just email alexmerced at alexmerced.com. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the program. We've got Joel Curtinitis on. So, Joel, to kind of step on to the next part of what we were just kind of talking about, the new Federalist Party. I, you know, one, I love it because I've been binge listening to the Hamilton mixtape recently. But two, (laughs) I mean, it's, I, I spent so much of my young adult life in the third party game. And it's just, man, what, what, what's going on right now? So we we think that we have to embrace a radically different model. Um, This came together uh, late last year, shortly before the election. I started approaching people with this with this vision of, you know, hey, I think I think that we can, uh, you know, potentially bring the Federalist Party back. There's a giant need for a viable third party here. Um, I think we have an issue before us that lends itself to the Federalist Party, that being just federalism. Uh, a principle that you know, whichever party is in charge hates, and whichever party is not in charge loves at any given time, and it, it could be it could be a unifying, identifying uh, issue. And uh, so, so when I started talking to folks about that, and it was actually spawned from a, a uh, an article that was in the Federalist by Paul David Miller, which was I think the prior May, I think it was May of 2016 or uh, 2015 rather, where uh, he was talking about bringing back the Federalist Party, or no, it was 16. 
Um, and so I read that, didn't think much of it at the time, but then it sort of grew on me and I started thinking more strategically, thinking, okay, look, the Libertarian Party is a joke. The Constitution Party is uh, you know, on really, really fading more than they're than they're gaining they, at this they point. They were never alive. I mean, let's just no. let's just be honest about that. They were never alive. Well, and I think there's a reason for that, and that's why I said I think the the vision for the Federalist Party. Uh, you know, once I linked up with with some other people who were also actively engaged in building something, but didn't have the uh, they had the structure, they didn't have the you know the direction, um, and I had the direction, but I didn't have the structure, and I didn't know that there were other people pursuing the same thing. So when we got together, it was sort of a match made in heaven. Um, but the way the way that we look at this, we are not interested in you know throwing our our political lives and our energy and our time with our families and everything else that we give up to to be involved in this. We're not interested in throwing that away for a per, you know perpetual three to four percent protest vote. I think that's ridiculous and it's stupid and it's asinine. And that's what many of the third parties have been. And I think the reason is because they don't want to put in the work on the ground at the state and the local level. They, they want to put their, their hopes in a presidential candidate, and then they want to ride the coattails to 4%, 2%, 8%, whatever you need in a given state to get on the ballot. And I think that's, that's a model that's backward. I think we need to um, – I think in order to see different results, the Federalist Party uh, can succeed – where some of these others have failed by starting at the local level. You know, you, you can't win a, a national vote with Gary Johnson, but you can win a mayor vote. You can win a state legislative race. Uh, you can win a county supervisor seat. Absolutely. If, if the LP and other third parties had sunk as much effort into the presidential or into the, into the state and local races as they had in the presidential, we might be looking at a lot of different uh, scenarios right now, especially in state legislatures, where a lot of these votes and a lot of these important issues come down to a handful of votes here and there, a handful of swing votes in either chamber. So there's there's a lot of potential there for a different model. Um, the other thing, though, that makes this, I, I think, a lot more forward-looking is that federalism is – it's an ideology. It's not um, – it's not just a team. Is, is, it, just, is it really, though? And I, I, I'm just curious because, you know, I think, you know, the Republicans, when Obama was president, they loved federalism. And now the Democrats suddenly have a brand new love for federalism, not necessarily because it's a succinct ideology, but because it's just a process. So is it really just getting people, to, you know, necessarily just want to get the process to work again? Or is it to actually understand that? You know, liberty involves taking care and use it, utilizing our constitutional system. I I think it's as concrete an ideology as anything out there. I think it's it's more concrete than the terms that we throw around all the time. And I I, uh, I wrote an article uh, a couple months ago now for the Liberty Conservative called um, "The Death of Definition," and just just as kind of an excerpt out of that, what what does the term conservative mean? Like, what does that mean? What does liberal mean? Because liberals right now are advocating ideas from the, the you know, 1900, 1870. Like these are the things that they're advocating at this point. The kind of socialist principles that they have are well over a century old. Is that really progressive at this point or is that conservative? I mean and, – and if you go further back, of course, the ideas that the founding fathers brought with them are now regarded as conservative. They were liberal when they came here. I mean the, the conservatives of back then were monarchists, right? So, I mean, these are sliding terms that we use, and we try to identify by them. But it's not really – it's not – it's a moving target. It's not something that you could tie yourself to. But federalism is, and it presents a lot of opportunity also because of exactly what you just said. 
and that is there's people from all different sides of the political spectrum that are that are looking to hold on to this now um, because their party's not in power anymore. And so we have the opportunity to reach out to um, you know conservatives and people on the right when the Democrats are in power because it's all about states' rights. But right now you're seeing a renewed interest on the left in you know homeschooling and gun rights and secession and these things that they never thought they would world embrace. We live in now. That's all. I Isn't have it to crazy? Say. <laughs> we, this is truly bizarro world. I like nothing surprises me anymore. Nothing mm-hmm. does. It's it's wild, but there's so much opportunity there to say, look, your people have failed you, and. And to those looking at the Republican Party, though they're not without blame either. Here in Iowa, they're working on a bill right now that's a preemption bill that basically is the state telling all the cities and counties, hey, you can't implement policies that you want to because Republicans run the state now and we're not going to we're not going to allow that. So for instance, if a city wanted to raise their minimum wage, the state will now not let them do it. So Republicans who have been preaching local control for the last eight years are suddenly all about preemption. And, and to me, again, that is a huge opportunity for a Federalist Party to step in and say, no, you know what? Whether we agree with the policy in question or not, you don't have the right to do this. And, and we believe it can be we, – we believe it can be like Brexit. We believe that, that is, that's a model for where this party needs to go is, is the UKIP model, which is find an issue that people – that appeals to people's need for independence, that appeals to the decentralization, the freedom, and take that and own it. And we think that with federalism, we can do that. So are we looking at Iowa exits? <laughs> that, that doesn't even <laughs> well, sound right at this point. I, 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 Iowa, Iowa exit? exit? Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. There's too many vowels in that word, I think. Yeah, someone someone needs to find something. Go 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 ahead and email us, folks, if you can find something, and we'll send it to Joel. Anyway, Matt, we we gotta hit our final commercial break, and uh, then we'll you know try and figure things out a little bit more in the final segment, folks. Hang on tight. We'll be back in a moment. We'll be back shortly. Stay up to date with the latest news and updates by visiting remzorepublic.com. Make sure to subscribe to all the podcasts on the Libertarian Wing Media Podcast Network on Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher, such as the Alex Merced cast, with interesting interviews with interesting people every week. Breaking progressives, spending time every week breaking down left-wing narratives and showing what's real and what's fake. Economics Why Not, a weekly look at economics and applying economic principles to daily life. Better Today, a weekly podcast where we take a look on ways to improve your life and be better today. Libertarian Commons is a podcast where we play audio from the video archives of Alex Merced from his videos dating back to 2008. Liberty Public Access, a podcast where anyone can submit an episode. Submit your episodes to Alex Merced at alexmerced.com. Have you been wanting to start your own podcast? Then subscribe to Podcast and Logging Tips and Tricks, a weekly podcast about how to host your podcast, how to produce your podcast, and how to market your podcast. We'll be adding some monthly podcasts to the lineup soon, including Make Markets Free Again, a monthly look at what's going on in markets and regulation all over the world, and the Free VST podcast, looking at free VST instruments for electronic music producers. Listen to these podcasts by going to libertarianwingmedia.com or subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. 
And if you enjoy the podcast, tell your friends and leave a positive review on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. just you know this is this is really kind of a sore spot for me but you know you know to your credit the model that you're looking at i have seen it work because i was one of the people that tried to implement that my own way when i was working on a for an independent candidate in a local city council race because it was so weird. And this is during the 2016 general election. It was a few months prior to that because it was a special election for city council. But, you know, I, I was suddenly, and I was a giant Ted Cruz supporter at the time and a member of the Libertarian Party of Virginia. I was suddenly, like, my nickname was King Kasich because all of the John Kasich people from the local Lynchburg GOP that got purged ended up being my volunteer army. <laughs> and then what did I have? I had all the disgruntled libertarians that couldn't get a candidate, and the libertarians were supporting my candidate. And then what else happened? I had all the Democrats that didn't want to vote for the socialist Democrat that was running. So we ran on a system of, you know, let's eliminate the meals tax. Let's, I don't know, maybe address community policing. We took things down to the super local level we gave solutions that actually made sense to people, and then we brought them together. And, you know, sadly, we came in third place. I mean, we almost beat the Democrat by a couple hundred votes, but, you know, we they had the money. They had the mobilization. They put up a fantastic grassroots effort. And then the Republican, you know, he, he dropped like 20 grand in the last week, so we, we couldn't compete against that. So the model works because it does bring people together. It's necessarily does this model, you know, typically see the results. So in terms of what you've kind of described as your model for success of the Federalist Party, are you guys just looking at Iowa or are you looking at like a specific city? No, I mean, we're, we're setting up many structures simultaneously. So we're setting up a nat- national parent structure and people could check that out at just at www.thefederalistparty.org. Um, and we're also setting up state parties at the same time. We're looking for state leaders. We're looking for, you know, basically anybody that has a talent that's useful to setting this up. See, see, there's another important part to the to the model that we're going for here. It's not just about ideology. It's not just about the how or the strategy of how to get involved in the states at the grassroots level. Part of it is also that we, we think we're looking ahead of the curve. And what I mean by that is that if, if you look at voting trends with millennials and with the younger generation, they're shifting heavily toward third parties. Now, the older generation, not so much. There's a little bit of a trend that you can see there, but the younger generation is breaking hard. Um, I, I don't know if I if I referenced this last time. Well, I couldn't have because the stats weren't out yet. But the, um, the switch to third parties or the third party voter totals between – uh, 2008 and 2012 rose 300 percent. Between 2008 and 2016, 800 percent. That is a heavy shift. And if that trend continues, as we know that third party or that uh, younger voters are more independent, there's a lot of opportunity there statistically to grab a hold of that and go. Now, what do we? What else do we know about millennials and and the younger generation? They're tech savvy. 
They're independent. They've got a million different apps in their pocket, and they like things individualized. If there's one thing in this country that is not appified or modern or individualized or gives you options, it's government. And that's something that I think we have a tremendous opportunity to capitalize on because that is the federalist model. It's object-oriented. It's appified. We want to put government in your pocket. Uh, we want to be the most technologically advanced party. Uh, we want to campaign on things that are not necessarily social hot-button topics. Like, for instance, in Michigan, which is one of the states where we have a strong federalist presence already, um, their election laws are straight-up archaic. Uh, we're, we're talking you know, tens of thousands of signatures that have to be done on paper with a living witness standing right next to you. That's nobody even uses that anymore. You can't even send faxes or scans of these documents. I mean, this these are systems that were developed 50 years ago that have nothing to do with today's technology and today's methods. And and these are things that need to be modernized. This is where if you want to see younger people get involved, if you want to see a political party that's not run by 65 and above folks, and no offense to them, they're wonderful leaders, but we need to have we need to have the future of the party there too. This is how you do it. You you get innovation in there, and you take and, and you take these uh, stances of the Federalist Party and say, we're going to take this party to the state level, and then we're going to take it to the local level. We're going to break this down to a point that government is small enough to fit in your pocket the way that you know that retail stores and everything else in the world is becoming. We think we can capitalize on that sentiment and get the, get the younger generation, the independent-minded millennials, to come with us. I, I really do like where you're going with this. But there's just one thing that kind of bugs me, and you probably have, just one. <laughs> well, this is this is kind of a big thing. It's kind of like a bunch of little things that that we're adding up to this. But you, you know, I I understand the model you're bringing in, and the the thing about what you're bringing up in terms of the appeal of federalism now is that it could bring people from across the political spectrum to come together on the basis of respect for order and process and your fellow man. But then then it comes to this. You're, you're going to have, like, the Kasich army. You're going to have the libertarians, and you're going to have the more labor-oriented Democrats come together. And then, you know, here's the biggest thing. It's always, what if you win? What if somebody mm -hmm. brings up something like abortion? Mm -hmm. That's where you're going to see your schism occur. And mm -hmm. have you guys already established, like, a set platform of things that are just non-negotiables? Because I feel that even if you were to just say we are, a, you know, we are a pro-life party, you've already just gotten rid of all of the people that probably would have met with you on so many other things. But because they want to have access to abortions, that's the non-negotiable factor. Mm -hmm. There's going to be some of that, but, I mean, I, I want to first point out that the existing parties already have that. To a large degree, I mean, it's not just a small, it's not just a small issue. The Republican Party's got factions up one side and down the other, and that's why we're having this discussion right now. Is the fact that they have factions, even though their platform is cohesive. So the first thing I would say is having a platform in the age where nobody pays attention to the platform doesn't actually mean much. And we're actually looking at, you know, innovative technological solutions for that too. What if you have a living platform where you can actually, you know, crowdsource your platform as you go? Just some ideas, but. Um, but with regard to what you do when those come up, we do have an identity, and that's one thing that the Federalist Party, um, you know, as such, as the Federalist Party has over Constitution Party, Libertarian Party, uh, America's Party, the other more recent ones. We have a heritage. We have heroes. We have a history. We have the Constitution. You know, the the, the, the original Federalist Papers. 
written to defend the Constitution of the United States and get it ratified. So there are non-negotiables there. That's part of our identity. You know, the, the life, liberty, and property, the things that are enshrined in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, that's our home base. Now, where we go from there um, can vary by state. doesn't say anything about the minimum wage. Can California raise the minimum wage to 20 bucks an hour? Sure, if they want to. I don't agree with it, but if that's what they want to do with their state, go for it. You know, can, can uh, Colorado legalize pot smoking? Sure. You know, there's, there's nothing in the Constitution that gives the federal government the right to deny that. So, um, so I think there's, there's definitely a way to maintain our identity as the party of, uh, you know, Washington, the party of Adams, the party of Hamilton, and, and say we are federalists. We believe in limited federal, federal government. We believe in separation of powers. We believe in what the founders believed in when they put this party together. And by the way, I list Washington in there. I know he never claimed to be one, but let's Yeah, I, I was about to bring that up. On policy, he was a Federalist. And, and that's the thing about, you know, just as a quick history insert right there, the Federalists, they were never, you know, they were never a party. They were a caucus because then you look at, you know, there was one predominant Democratic-Republican that helped write the Federalist Papers, Madison. Mm-hmm. And it was Jefferson that really screwed the pooch, and he started his, you know, his anglophobic francophile republican party so well i'm really glad i was able to say that without screwing up anglophobic franco no 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 yes yes i said it right anglophobic francophile party that's it try and say that 20 times folks yeah, well done <laughs> uh i, I any- gotta give and my, my wife and i by the way and this this was part of what you know set this vision in motion too is we are huge fans of hamilton uh, we think it's extremely well done. It's extremely entertaining. Just just a very, very well thought out, well put together production. It's part of my running and playlist now. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> I, I listened to it for months. Just could not could not stop listening to it. We're still trying to find tickets to go see the show. Uh, but but that's another thing that that made me think, you know, this this might have a future is the fact that if I had told you, you know, eight years ago that the most popular play on Broadway was gonna be a show about America's founding? I'd say shut up and take my money. <laughs> <laughs> right, but nobody saw that coming, right? Nobody saw that coming. Like that that was something that that just hit us by surprise. And and I know that the show's producers and or the show, you know, the writer Lynn Manuel Miranda and, and these guys, I know that they're liberals. But that doesn't matter when it comes to the show itself. It's gained its acceptance and its popularity and its cultural relevance in spite of the liberalism of the of the cast and the producers because there's eternal principles there, right? There's the principles of the founding, and people still want that. And I think our generation in particular grew up missing that, and they want it now. And that leaves us an opening. Definitely. Joel, if people want to catch up with you and learn more about the new Federalist Party, how can they do so? Um, well, the, the main site that we're sending people to right now is the national site from which we're going to uh, develop a system of state, state sites where you can get involved in your state. Uh, and that's just www.thefederalistparty.org. Um, if you want to get in touch with me directly, you can just send an email to joel at thefederalistparty.org. And I can try to plug you in with uh, some other federalists in your state and find out how you can get involved there in recruiting people and building the party and finding candidates and winning local races and winning state races and hopefully getting to the point where we can win federal races and make this a three-party system instead of a two-party system. Outstanding. Joel Curtinitis, always a pleasure and a blast having you on. Thank you for taking the time to come on the program tonight. Hey, hey thanks for having me on. It's a blast. Folks, you, you know, one thing I really want you to come out of this with is 
No matter what letter you have next to your name, no matter how you voted in the last election, no matter who you claim to be a strong supporter of, ultimately, understand this. If you side with me on liberty on one issue, I will go with you so that we see those results to the end of the road. The person that's my 90% ally is not my 10% ally. And when it comes to this, you see how easily things change. If you had told me a year ago I'd be jumping in with the GOP, I would have backhanded you so hard you'd you know, go back a whole week in history. But obviously, you know, things have come the way they are. And if you had told me that Joel was going to be leading a brand new political party, I probably wouldn't believe you either. But, you know, things change. And because of that, we have to keep true to our principles of life, liberty, property, and ultimately the pursuit of happiness. But what's one thing you can do? Well, you can go ahead and subscribe to the show. Uh, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. You can catch us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, Player FM. Tip of the hat to Self-Defense Radio Network. And as always, be good, treat yourself, and be awesome, America. Good night. Stay connected to Liberty's Rabble Rouser on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with the latest episodes, blogs, and other available content. What are you waiting for?